Hello there, everybody. Welcome on into episode two of the SCO Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation. I am Mark Schofield, back into the big chair for episode two. And for those of you, I'm not sure what the Vegas over-under was, but if it happened to be 1.5 episodes and you hit the under, I've got some bad news for you. We made it to two. But hopefully, the vast majority of you out there are betting on the over as I am because I'm honored to be a part of both SB Nation and the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and I hope to be here for a very long time. Now, folks, we've got great news here today. There's actual football tonight. No more training camp videos, no more breaking down little clips, no more wondering if, look, does this drop in this drill by this receiver spell the end of his time in Foxborough? We get to see actual football action tonight, so we're all really excited for that. Up here in a moment, I'm going to have what I'm going to be watching for tonight, and a little bit later, my sit-down with the one and only Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston, who is out there for the joint practices between the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots ahead of tonight's preseason opener. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the antics on the Twitter machine at Mark Schofield. You can check out the work at a variety of places. Obviously, patspulpit.com, some other SB Nation websites, including Big Blue View and Bleeding Green Nation, as well as insidethepylon.com, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and Pro Football Weekly. Now, tonight we do have actual preseason action, but as we'll hear from Phil Perry in a moment, don't expect to see a lot of the top flight big time names in action tonight. Your Tom Brady's of the world, they're probably not going to see a lot of run if they see any snaps at all. So we're going to be relying on a lot of the second and third strainers and some fourth strainers perhaps to see what they have to offer to this team as they look to defend their Super Bowl title. But here's what I'm going to be watching for tonight, starting on the offensive side of the ball. With a TB12, probably going to see limited action, if any. It's going to be basically the Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham show. Now, we know what Brian Hoyer can do. I'm very curious to see Jared Stidham. You heard my conversation with Matt Waldman on Tuesday. If not, go back. Give it a listen. I was kind of a Stidham guy as far as, you know, standing for a mid-round quarterback goes. His tape was up and down. He showed flashes at moments. He showed inconsistency a lot of the other times. But there's an old saying in scouting and evaluation circles, scout the traits, not the scheme. And we saw a lot of those traits down in Mobile for the senior bowl. Instead of looked at times, the best quarterback down there. Better than perhaps guys that went far before he did in the draft, including Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. Now, Stidham has an opportunity tonight to establish himself as perhaps, dare we say, the quarterback of the future. And he's caught some eyes in camp and people are very excited him. What I want to see from him, I want to see decisiveness. I want to see process and speed. And I want to see him starting to get the mental part of the game in this offense. We all know this is a complex offense to run. It puts a lot on the quarterback's shoulders. Sometimes rookies stepping into this offense struggle a bit. I want to see him starting to get up to speed. I don't expect him to be anywhere close to a finished product. But I want to see development. I want to see steps in that direction. I want to see moving positions now, offensive line rotation. As we'll hear from Phil Perry in a second, Dan Skipper, he might end up being this team's left tackle. Can he handle that? How will we fare in pass pro? What is the rest of the offensive line rotation? Are we going to see Isaiah win? He hasn't had any team action yet. Unlikely, given that, that he's going to see action against the Lions. 
but I want to see this offensive line rotation. I want to see the skill positions. What do we have at tight end? Spoiler, my conversation up with Phil in a second, maybe we don't have much. What about the wide receiver position? Are Harry and Jacoby Myers really going to be this team's you know options two and three after Julian Edelman? And if so, I want to see them playing well tonight with whatever action they get. Is Braxton Berrios going to carve out a role for this team? Or is Maurice Harris and Philip Dorsett, are those going to be the options, say four and five for this team? The running back spot. Sony Michelle probably might not see a lot of action. That might mean a lot of Damian Harris. What do the Patriots have in the rookie out of Alabama? I liked what I saw on him from film when I was studying his game at Alabama. They trusted him in pass protection. They would leave him on the field in third downs. He was tremendous in blitz pickup. And let's face it, we're talking about protecting a 42-year-old quarterback. Pass protection is key. If they can trust Harris in pass protection situations, he might carve out a nice role for himself. Switching to the defensive side of the ball. I want to see defensive line rotations up front. Curious to see who gets some run. Are we finally going to see something from Derek Rivers? The linebacker group. As Phil Perry is going to tell you here in a few moments, Juwan Bentley might be the key to what they can do with this deep, deep group. You might see a lot more 3-4. And I know, look, in today's NFL, sub-packages are primarily your base defense. But with the athleticism this team has now at the linebacker spot, the return of Jamie Collins, the emergence of Juwan Bentley before he was injured, obviously the Patriots know what they have in Van Noy and Dante Hightower. If they can go some 3-4 stuff with Hightower and Bentley in the middle and let Collins and Van Noy be athletic playmaking types on the outside, on the edges, that's a nice little base 3-4 package to run that give you some athleticism that you can basically turn it into more of a sub-package at times. So I'm very curious to see the linebackers, the defensive backfield. I want to know who's going to be corners 2 and 3, the slot corner spot, the corner spot opposite Stephon Gilmore. So I want to see who's getting run and when during the course of this game. But I'm very curious to see Obi Mellon Fonwu. When we studied him over at Inside the Pylon for the Inside the Pylon draft guide a couple of years ago, we were fans of his. And one of the things that we said about him, David Archibald, fantastic friend of the show, great defensive back mind over at Inside the Pylon, also a member of the Sco Show Slack channel, which you can join, hit me up for an invite. He pointed out that, look, we thought this guy was a tight end killer type with his length and his athleticism. Can he find a role on this team? If he can be that guy you put on a Travis Kelsey to sort of lock him down, that frees up options around the rest of the secondary. And might he force perhaps a surprising roster move at the safety spot? More on that from Phil Perry in a moment. But all in all, look, we have actual football to talk about in the wake of tonight's game. We're going to see players in action. There's going to be a score kept. The scoreboard lights will be on. And so it's just nice to have actual football back, even though the games don't count. But more than anything else, we want to see all rostered, active players on the field tonight walk back to the locker room. No injuries. Let's not get any injuries tonight. Let's leave this field with everybody healthy and ready to go as we look ahead to the preseason games two, three, and four and the start of the 2019 campaign. But that's what I'm looking for tonight. I wonder what you're looking for as well. As always, you can hit me up at Mark Schofield on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Or like I said, join the Scoso Show Slack channel. That's a bit of a tongue twister. But you can hit me up for an invite 
at Mark Schofield on Twitter, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. We'd love to have you. Lots of people talking pats all around the clock. Up next, my conversation with Phil Perry. But before we get to that, friends, a reminder, those of you that have been longtime listeners to my work over at Locked On Patriots know that I like to say often, help me help you. One of the ways you can help me keep doing the show, obviously listening helps, sharing it around, telling some friends, that helps. Leaving some reviews on iTunes. I was looking over at iTunes on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. There haven't been a lot of reviews in a while. Now you've now heard one and a half shows. Leave a review. I would really appreciate it. Up next, Phil Perry. That's ahead on episode two of The Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode two of The Scope Show. We made it to two, which is a good sign. They haven't pulled the plug yet, so we're excited about that. I'm very excited, though, about the guests we have joining us from Allen Park, Michigan. He covers the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. You know him from Twitter, at Phil A. Perry. You know him from the Instagram, at Phil A. Perry as well. We're going to ask him about that in a moment. But Phil Perry joins us live from Allen Park, Michigan. Phil, how's it going, buddy? Mark, it's going great, man. I'm fired up for the new podcast for you, and I am honored to be on episode number two. I mean, look, you know, it's a big, big shoes to fill here. We had Matt Waldman on show one, kind of a traditional thing I do. Now we get you as number two, man. These, These are big, big shoes to step into. But I do want to ask you this, Phil. You know, trading camp, it's a chance for the players to sort of get game ready. But we don't talk enough about the beat reporters and you guys out there cover the team getting game ready how are you feeling are you getting up to speed are you ready to go do you just need a couple more weeks to get ready uh you know what i feel like i could be doing a better job of hydrating i would be one of the guys that you would be pulling off the field mid-practice because i cramped up or i got a little lightheaded and they they pumped me full of fluid for like the next 48 hours that's that's me. I'm a, I'm a guy who uh, who sweats a lot, and it and it doesn't take a lot of activity for me to do that, Mark. So, um, as far as that goes, I'm not doing great, to be quite honest with you. But otherwise, okay. Otherwise, okay. I think I'm going to be okay for Thursday night. But you know, we take it day to day. You take it day to day. Just try to get better each day. And speaking of taking it sort of day to day, obviously the big news around this team right now is quarterback Tom Brady, his quote unquote extension. I know you sat down with Danny Amendola to talk to him about it while you were out there. I know you've had some audio and a chance to hear from Tom Brady as well. Should Patriots fans be worried, or is this just more like Brady said himself? Just we're headed into some uncharted territory here with a forty-two-year-old quarterback. I think it's I think it's both. I think it's okay to look at it both ways if you're a Patriots fan. I think on the one hand, yeah, of course, it's totally uncharted territory. 42 years old, still one of the best quarterbacks in football. Uh, I understand it on the business end, if you're Robert Kraft, on the football end, if you're Bill Belichick, that you don't want to invest long-term, significant, top-end-of-the-quarterback-market dollars to somebody in that position because you just haven't seen it before. You don't know what it's going to look like in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And so I get it on their end. Um, but I also would say, and Tom Brady reinforced this point when I asked him about it the other day on Monday here at after practice. And it was, there is a lot of uncertainty after this season. And Brady reiterated multiple times, I'm good for this year. I want to do everything I can to help us win games this year. And after that, we'll see. Uh, I think he would have loved to have more certainty contractually moving forward after 2019. 
but he gets the raise for 2019, $8 million bucks. It pays him top 10 of quarterbacks in terms of cash for, for 2019, so that's all well and good. You have to feel good about that if you're Brady. But then after that, he has the ability to become a free agent. The Patriots don't have the ability to franchise tag him. And so the way I look at it, Mark, I, I've said for for a long time now, and he has hammered this home, doesn't matter what I say, it's just based on what he has told us, really, and, and what we've seen from him. I think he's going to play for a handful more years. I just am not sure that they're all going to be with the Patriots. doesn't mean they can't work something out. Uh, before he, he does hit free agency, when the 2019 league year comes to an end, but unless they come to some sort of agreement before that, he has a chance to pursue other options. And um, it doesn't mean the door is wide open for him to go. It may just be a crack. But I think even that is news, even if there is a, a 1% or 2% chance uh, that he ends up going. And I, I think it's, honestly, if you put a gun to my head, I, I would probably say it's uh, a little greater than 1% or 2% in all honesty. You know, Phil, something that might convince him to stick around would be if the team can protect him on the field, and we know going into this season with Trent Brown's departure, the offensive line is a question mark, particularly that left tackle spot. What have you seen so far to give you an idea of how that might shake out, maybe going into Thursday night and then beyond? Yeah, I think that's one of the fascinating things when we talk about Brady is look at what's around the guy, and especially yeah. if he's now year to year, and you're looking at not only the offensive line, but the weapons around him. Statistically, there's a chance that this just doesn't look like a normal Tom Brady year. And so year to year might mean another, um, or it might just mean a significant reduction from the $23 million he's getting this year. But as far as the left tackle spot goes, uh, it's been very interesting to track, man, because you've had Dan Skipper out there taking just about every team rep snap, first team rep snap, at that spot. And Dan Skipper is somebody we don't know a ton about other than the fact that he's six foot nine, he's twenty four years old, he's been on three different practice squads over the last couple of years. I would say from what I've watched and tried to watch him pretty closely, he moves pretty well. For a guy who's six foot nine, uh he gets off the ball well. I've seen him move some linebackers um with relative ease at times. And so I think there are some some positive things about Skipper's game. And I and I mean that seriously. Um and I think the Patriots didn't see some positive elements of this game. We just wouldn't see him run out there continuously, um, it, you know, even though the depth isn't that great. Uh, but pass protection-wise, has not been good for him. Um, I don't think the, the ability to, to bend and move with some smaller, quicker rushers is there at all. From what we've seen, he's had a really hard time in the one-on-one -on -one pass protection drills. We've seen guys like Trent Harris go around with these. Derek Rivers has made, you know, quick work of them. Um, and so I would be a little bit concerned about that because still, you know, first of all, I don't think we're going to see Tom Brady in preseason. Uh, and so, you know, it's not like he's in harm's way this week, but it would be nice to see Isaiah went out there doing anything. And we just haven't seen him do anything in teamwork. He's out there in pads. He's out there in uniform. He's doing the conditioning stuff, but we haven't seen him do any sort of contact drill. So right now it's, it's Dan Skipper and, uh, and we're waiting for Isaiah Wynn. You know, Phil, you mentioned the weapons around Brady and wide receiver is a question mark, tight end a question mark. Is this team going to roll into week one relying on a first round rookie wide receiver and an undrafted rookie wide receiver in Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers? Is that what we're looking at? I think you might see those guys in their 11 personnel packages really? a little bit. Now, 
uh, you know, uh, listen, we're, we're expecting Julian Edelman is going to be back. Uh, and so you've got your number one, you've got your binky if you're Tom Brady. All well and good. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I think, is, is going to get a lot of work. Now, the interesting thing about Harry, a couple interesting things. Uh, number one is physically he's there. I mean, he's making grown man plays in training camp. Um, but number two, he's making a lot of these grown man plays against the second team uh, and with the second team quarterback. So I, I would say in the last week or so, we've seen Jacoby Myers take more first team reps than we have from, from Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry tweaked his leg um, in Tuesday's practice. He was back out there for the walkthrough on Wednesday. I think if it was a hamstring, if it was like a pull or a strain, we wouldn't see him out there at all. And so I think that's, you know, there's some optimism there if you're a Patriots fan. Um, but I, I'm interested to, to know, okay, once the games actually matter, uh, are they putting Nikhil Harry out there as a starter? Is he getting 60 snaps a game? Or is it 30 and Maurice Harris is getting a lot of work? And is Jacoby Myers getting more work than Nikhil Harry? I think there's still a lot to be ironed out there. But to me, Jacoby Myers has been their most impressive receiver in camp, period, rookies or otherwise. And so that's why I would say, you know, it wouldn't shock me if you saw a lot of Myers and Edelman on the field at the same time. And then the question then is, okay, who's who's the third guy? Is it, is it Dorsett? Is it Harry? Is it Braxton Berrios? Uh, who I think has actually had a, a couple of good days in Detroit here practice-wise, and it's been a good week for him. He had a rough go of it early in camp. But there's still a lot left to be ironed out after Julian Edelman on that receiver depth chart, in my opinion. And about the tight end group, is this just going to be we're going to throw as much spaghetti at the wall as we can and figure out what sticks here come week one, week five, you know, on down the road? To me, that's the that's the ugliest position on the roster right now. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at receiver, and I know it doesn't look good at times. You know, with Edelman gone, Demarius Thomas obviously isn't out there, no Josh Gordon, you know, Nikhil Harry now gets a little bit banged up, and you're wondering, okay, what is this group actually going to look like? I'm sure Tom Brady's saying the same thing if he looks around in that huddle. But at tight end, I, I just I don't see any answers there right now. I, I don't know if Matt Lacoste can play. We've seen him occasionally make contested catches down the field, great catch radius. Um, but I would say the hands have been inconsistent throughout camp. Uh, I, I still am waiting to see, and, and it's really hard to gauge running game stuff, even in full pads, who's moving who, you know, how much push is the offensive line actually getting because it's not live. It's not really truly tackle to the ground live. Um, and so I'm waiting to see Thursday night. Can, can Matt Lacoste actually move bodies in the running game? If he can, great. I think they're going to be you know much better off for it. Um, but I wonder if, if there's a chance that Ryan Izzo is the better option because if you're looking at it, and those are probably going to be your two options to start the season. Ben Watson, we know, is suspended, and, and Ben Watson honestly hasn't been that impressive in camp. If you're asking me, he's had a lot of drops through camp. Uh, but for the first four weeks, I think you're looking at Lacoste or Izzo or both. And I haven't seen enough from any of them to trust them as receivers. And so if you're not throwing to them, which I would find it hard to believe that Brady will if he doesn't establish a little bit more chemistry than what we've seen, then just get the guy who's the best blocker and put him out there. We saw Ryan Izzo out there with Tom Brady during a hurry-up period on Tuesday. And, you know, that's, that's you know, got to have it sort of situation in practice. Uh, and he wasn't running routes. He was staying in on the hurry-up, but he was staying in the block. And I would say if he can do that and he can do it effectively and he can do it in the running game, 
then then put him out there because the odds are any tight end that you have the first month of the season isn't going to be making a big impact as a receiver. So I, I would rather, if I'm the Patriots, have, have like the Dwayne Allen role covered and covered well than try to have a, a tight end out there who's going to make a big impact through the air. Phil, let's switch to the defense for a second now. The linebacker group, the addition of Jamie Collins, him coming back into the fold, it seems to be an exciting group. But one name that I haven't seen much from, and actually Dave Archibald in the Scotia Slack channel wanted me to ask you this, Jawan Bentley. What have you seen from him? He was a big buzz in camp last year, then he had the injury. But what have you seen from the second round, second year player out of Purdue? Yeah, I wrote about the, the linebackers yesterday after talking to Van Noy, Hightower, Bentley, and we talked to Collins last week. I just think this is this is a fascinating group, and I think Bentley could be the key to it all in that if you have him in the middle of the field, the football IQ is off the charts. That's what everybody tells us. Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, I mean, these guys, smart guys, guys that have been in the system, guys that know the defense, and they're telling me about how well Juwan Bentley knows the defense in his second year. And yeah, he started last year. He was smart enough last year to earn a starting role. And he's, you know, he's the signal caller out there in the middle of the defense early in the season. Um, and he gets hurt. And that I think, you know, obviously can be devastating for a guy's development. But they all love the fact that he stuck <laughs> around the facility, that he was still in every meeting, that the, the rapport continued to develop throughout the course of the season, even though he was hurt. And so when he hits the field this year, this summer, it's like they're just getting right back on the wheel and, and they're not missing a beat. And not only are they not missing a beat, but his availability in the middle of the field means it frees up somebody like Van Noy to play on the left edge. And I think that's really his best spot. And if you go back and you watch those first three games from last year, what you saw was uh, a lot of Bentley and Dante Hightower in the middle of the field together bouncing things off each other, bouncing calls off each other, communicating with the rest of the front, the rest of the defense. And you saw Kyle Van Noy almost exclusively on the left edge. Hightower did bounce back and forth between the edge and the middle of the field a little bit, but I would say he played the majority of the time right there in the middle with Bentley, and on the edge you had Van Noy. And I think we're going to see a lot more 3-4 this year, Mark. And so I think it just opens up all kinds of possibilities to have Van Noy and Collins on the outside as your two athletic outside linebackers, your two heavier hitters, uh, but also versatile guys in their own right. Hightower, obviously, we know can get up the field. And Bentley surprised me with how well he covered last year. Right. Um, and so I, I think it's just in terms of the versatility that all those guys have, you can mix things up, you can move the pieces around. And Hightower told me, listen, there are a lot of defenses where they have the same guy in the same spot, snap after snap after snap. For us, we can move around every single play and it's just going to make it really hard on opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive linemen too because they don't know who's coming who's going who's dropping uh so i I think this is really going to be one of the strengths of their roster is the linebacker group and i think Jawan bentley's presence there makes them a lot better you know, Phil, a player that I'm fascinated to see this year and how he's used is Obi Mellon Fonway. Thought the acquisition of him might be a nod towards covering tight ends and having that one guy that can cover the Travis Kelseys of the world given his length and athleticism. Is my faith going to be rewarded this year or are there still question marks? It's looking like I would say that. It's it's looking like it's trending like your faith is going to be rewarded. He has been one of their most impressive defensive backs in camp, early in camp, hands on footballs consistently, day after day, had a couple of interceptions, a couple of batted passes. And I think the point you make about 
the matchup options is is a great one because uh, not only do they have Obi Melifonwu, they have Juwan Williams, they have Jamie Collins, who I think is is really going to make a big impact in terms of their coverage this year. And now all of a sudden, you have this area of your defense that if you looked at it, especially early in the year, I remember at the bye week last year, looking at some of the things that the Patriots were going to try to fix for the second half, because that's what they do. They go back and they scout, and after talking to a bunch of people and after looking at it myself and looking at a lot of the numbers, two of their biggest issues were covering tight ends and covering backs out of the backfield. And Patrick Chung is a great defensive player. You can really only use him on one guy every week if you're going to be playing as much man-to-man as they can. He can't cover the back and the tight end every week. And Devin McCourty could do some of that, and and that's great. And, he, and he's, I think he's totally capable of doing that at times too. But now you have all these different body types for all these different body types that you're going to see. And Melifon, who I think is going to be a real weapon as far as that goes. What's been interesting to me, though, Mark, is we haven't just seen him in man-to-man. We've seen him as the deep safety at times, oh, wow. just playing the deep middle. And so Matthew Stafford was, was great yesterday. He's talking about all the big physical body types the Patriots have defensively. And he says, you know, 54, you know, big physical guy, eight. That's Jamie Collins right now, big physical guy. And they got, they got a safety rolling around back there, number 22, who looks like he's a defensive end. And he does. I mean, he's, he's yeah. yoked up, he's six foot four, impressive specimen, but he is, uh, he's been played in the deep middle and uh, man-to-man-wise, and he's been impressive so far. You know, Phil, obviously the Patriots open preseason Thursday night against Detroit. What are the top, say, one or two things you're going to be watching for in that first preseason game? Well, it's going to be interesting because we're not going to see a lot of the starters. So a lot of the guys that are going to make an impact on this team this year I don't think are going to play, and if they do play, they're not going to play much. Melifonwu is somebody that I would watch for because – if he can play that deep middle and play it effectively and he can cover some ground, we know he's a great athlete, then all of a sudden I wonder if you start to look at that position group and say, okay, is this where the annual surprise cut or surprise Mm. trade might be made? Deron Harmon is somebody who has made a lot of great plays for this team over the years and a lot of big games, and he's been an incredibly valuable weapon in this big nickel package that the Patriots have really made popular over the course of the last three or four years. But He's also going to be a $3.5 million cap savings if you trade him or cut him. And it's a defensive back group as a whole when you factor in all the corners they have. And they've got a lot that I think should be on this roster that you might need to lop one off from. And so if it becomes a question of Melifonwu or Harmon and the play this summer has been relatively similar and Melifonwu maybe opens some things up for you, coverage-wise, matchup-wise, that Harmon doesn't, and it frees Devin McCourty to play the deep middle you know, more than he already is back there, uh, that's, that's maybe a camp battle that we start to consider more seriously. I also want to see Damian Harris run again. The running game, really hard to gauge in camp practices. Preseason game, I want to see Damian Harris get a lot of work. I want to see what he's like with the football in his hands. We think we know what he's like coming out of Alabama, but we also thought we knew what Sony Michelle was like right. coming out of Georgia and the explosion. Maybe it's because of the injury. Maybe it's just because he was swimming a little bit as a rookie, but it just looked, he looked like a different athlete to me last year than we remembered in college. So I wonder if there's anything similar that might be happening with Harris or if he impresses us in the offensive line. I, I just think not only Skipper, Mark, but there, there's some depth 
questions there, especially at tackle. What do they do? Depth of tackle is huge. They needed four starting tackles to get to the Super Bowl in 2017. It looks like they have one right now in Marcus Cannon and a lot of question marks after that. So that's a spot we'll be keeping an eye on, too. All right, Phil, let me get you out of here on this. Your Instagram, at Phil A. Perry, has been fantastic. It's like being the camp Thank myself. You. You're doing great work, the Instagram stories. I highly recommend people, even if you're not on Instagram, join it just to get Phil's trading camp insight and videos. But I also did see a picture of you, and uh, to borrow a phrase from you, a very still yoked up Ted Johnson some promo photos. First of all, what are you and Ted going to be doing together this year? And is Ted just as big as he looks on camera? Man, Ted, I, I, I'm not like a small guy, Mark. I'm, you know, I run uh, these days. I'm probably about six two, two hundred, and Wait, so what? you know, like you yeah, look I mean, like five eight, one sixty, soaking wet next to him. That's that's what I'm saying. Is is Ted Johnson makes me look like an eleven year old child? It's it's really. Uh, it's really a hit to the psyche, to be quite frank. You know, I, I'm on TV a lot with Tom Curran, um, our buddy Mike Giardi. Uh, you know, I'm hanging out in a, in a newsroom with, um, in a press room with, with Mike Reese. Uh, and, and, you know, so, like, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like a giant, really, at times, walking through there. And then all of a sudden, Ted Johnson comes into the mix, and, and he casts a shadow that, that covers us all. Um, you know, Ted is, Ted is a phenomenal guy one of the best guys in the in the business honestly in my opinion uh just a really really good person really smart football guy obviously given his experience um and he likes to have fun with it too he, he understands what it's all about in terms of what we're trying to get accomplished on our shows and yeah he's going to be working a lot with us this year at nbc sports boston he's going to be on our pregame live our postgame shows he's going to be on monday night football um sorry monday night patriots with me, uh, we lost uh, we lost our guy Rob Mikovich. He's he's on to uh, he's on to new things, and uh, we still love uh, our buddy Minko. But Ted Johnson's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal addition for us. Uh, and like like I said, he's going to be able to be found on our station quite a bit this year. We're really excited about that. I just I just know Mark. I need to get in the gym, and I need to start doing a lot of bicep curls at the squat rack. I just feel like I need to be that guy load up the weight, and just, just let me go. You're going to start doing those drop sets, man. I've heard they work wonders. I've heard they work <laughs> wonders. Phil, I'll trem- have to try that. tremendous stuff as always, my friend. Just a blast being on with you and having you on. Just remind everybody where they can find you, what you've got going on this season. Yeah, like you said, at Phil A. Perry, not only on Instagram, but Twitter as well. And we're going to continue to have all sorts of Patriots camp coverage. Eventually, they're going to shut camp down. And we're going to have a little bit less access, but we're still going to be hitting you with all kinds of information on early edition. That's every night, 6 o'clock, Boston Sports Tonight, every night, live at 9. So we've got all sorts of stuff for you there. And then we're going to have all of our football shows. We've already started with Quizland, but Monday Night Patriots is going to be coming at you. We're going to be coming at you with a football fix again this year, which I'm really excited about. We'll be talking some fantasy. We'll be talking some gambling. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot going on on our station at NBC Sports Boston throughout football season. And uh, we're going to have every single angle of every single aspect of this team covered for you. So hopefully you guys can check us out. Please do check all that stuff out. It's going to be fantastic. Wall-to-wall coverage of the Patriots this season. Folks and friends, that will do it for the Scotia Episode 2. Will there be an Episode 3? Well, you'll have to stay tuned and find out. But until next time, friends, 
please keep on blessing those Patriots reigns down at Foxborough.